0: Well, thank you for listening to this new podcast, On The Go, where we will talk some sports, community activities, lifestyle, trends, and more. I'm David Endress. You may know me as one of the hosts of Matri-Day Radio's Morning Blend. Well, this is our first show, so I'm bringing out the heavy hitters today to start things out. He is the Senior Associate Athletic Director at the University of Portland. Always great to talk with Jason Bro. How are you today?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me on, David. Yeah,
0: how about being number one on this thing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that choice, but I'll take
0: it. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell the folks right now, I've got to be on my best behavior because Jason holds the key to press credentials for Pilot Athletics. <laughs> one slip up on my part, and uh, my days of covering U of P athletics are over. So I, I got to be careful here. <laughs> I'll take it easy. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding, totally kidding, of course. Jason really is one of the nicest people you're ever going to work with in sports. And believe me, that's just not coming from me. You can talk to anybody in the media about that, and they will tell you the same thing. So I I do appreciate that. And with that said, of course, without naming names, have you ever had to toss anyone? That's it. You're out of here. I kind of doubt it, but I always wondered about that
1: not so much you know there's uh, there's always those posted no cheering in the press box sign I mean there's been times when I've had to control myself but uh yeah no there's always the interesting someone sneaks in with like a 20 year old credential and right. I's like yeah I know <laughs> yeah. somebody you're yeah. like
0: yeah I don't think that's gonna work this time <laughs> or, or, or it's the national media folks exactly yeah they, 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 they don't have the local flair so uh, <laughs> yeah I, I'm just thinking because you and I go back of course Day radio kbvM studios were located on the University of Port Portland campus for years, and I don't know if we met even before I was at Mater Dei Radio when I was just doing local media and covering some sports, so how long have you been at the University of Portland?
1: Yeah, it's been a while now, over half my life has have been on the campus, so I was actually an undergraduate student um, here from 1999 to 2003, Uh, went to the business school, and I got a side campus job to make a little bit of money working in the athletic department, and was doing stats courtside, and just really enjoyed that. I've always loved sports, but wasn't good enough to do anything in college, so I figured (laughs) why not be on the sidelines and do some stats, and uh, develop some good relationships within the athletic department. and that led to some other opportunities. And then uh, Joe Etzel, I think I was his last hire, you know, 41 years as an athletic director wow. before he retired. So he hired me, and then he announced his retirement a month later. So I didn't know how to take that, but I think me and Joe are on good <laughs> terms now.
0: Yeah. yeah, and and Joe's great because, of course, the baseball field is named after him, Joe Etzel Field, yet yeah, you can show up to a baseball game there, and there he is. There, hey, the guy who's stadium.
1: Yeah, he's, you know, long time. He, he actually he has... A longer history than I do at UP. He played baseball, was one of the great pitcher back in the day, and then he came back and coached basketball and baseball, and then, like I say, 41 years as an administrator Mm. in AD, so he's been around a long time, and, you know, he he still comes around to games, as you said. He's looking forward. He loves baseball, and he's at most every basketball game, so he's still very active on campus.
0: Uh, That's wonderful. So what was your progression uh, through the ranks there in the athletics department? So you started, you said, just like as a stats guy?
1: Yeah, I just started doing basically stats as a student worker and then, uh, you know, I, I really wanted, I really liked doing what at the time was called sports information. You want to call it athletics communications or right. media relations, what, what have you. And uh, Lauren Wolgamuth and Julie Natale, who were the full-time uh, sports information directors in, in the office, gave me a chance to work as a student worker. So that's where I got into writing press releases and coordinating stuff like that. And right when I graduated, I had an opportunity to go to either the Evil Empire as a graduate assistant at uh, Gonzaga. I know you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good relationship. With Oliver Pierce, who was a longtime communications director up there, uh, the Timbers and Beavers at the time, the the AAA Portland Beavers yeah. and Timbers ownership, they I had an internship opportunity there, but then uh, a full time position opened up here, and I was like, well, I can be on campus at my alma mater and, and be in a full time position, so, so I jumped on that as an assistant AD and have done a various various other uh, jobs here in the department from you know head sports information director overseeing marketing tickets facilities sports admin, uh, you know, now I oversee our tennis programs and work really closely with the basketball program, and as you know, the, the industry has changed so much Ugh. with social media and video and television and everything, so it, it looks a lot different than it did 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what a difference, because back in the day, so to speak, it used to be so much more print-oriented. I mean...
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember we used to do media guides. That was like our big... That's all we did in the summer was put together, you know, gra- gather photos and typesetting, and work with designers on our media guides and make sure you get those out before the season starts and then it was you know press releases and, and website was just getting going. there was mm-hmm. no such thing as social media and I remember we were one of the first schools to offer like live audio streaming and we thought that was a huge deal yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then video came shortly after it so it's been a it's been an ever evolving landscape for sure.
0: Yeah do you, do you even do printed media guides anymore?
1: No we don't about 10 years ago we kind of went to a digital only in record books and, I mean, pretty much websites and, and now apps essentially serve as, as a media guide. You'll get some, some media members that, that want the hard copies, so, you know, you can print some out, but for the most part, everybody, uh, you know, uses website, digital media guides, printouts, and, and, you know, from now, like historical records and everything, everything is so readily available right. at your fingertips on the website.
0: Yeah, I remember working at Oregon State, and their football media guide thing was a novel. Yeah, when you got it. I mean, it was it was huge. And I think that was a publication that you probably know this as well. I mean, that was a year round effort. I mean, as soon as you as soon as you printed the latest one, I think you were going to work on the next one.
1: Yeah, I know. Like when baseball season was starting here, so like in January, that's when we would begin getting stuff to our typesetters and printers uh, for our fall media guides that would come out in, in August. So yeah, it was the cycle back then. Was uh, it was definitely you know a six to nine months process from start to finish. Yeah,
0: we're speaking with Jason Bro. He is the senior associate athletic director at the University of Portland. On this very first podcast of On the Go, we're going to be talking sports community activity, lifestyle trends, and more. And just again, appreciate Jason joining us on this very first show as we talk University of Portland Pilot Athletics. And so you were kind enough to invite me to do some fill-in Basketball, men's basketball, play-by-play for the University of Portland. When the late Bill Johnson, he was your announcer for years, and sadly, Bill passed away. A real legend in sports uh, in the in the greater Portland area as a broadcaster, and then he was doing Linfield football as well. And so, you'd get to this time of year where it was getting close to the playoffs, and of course, Linfield, a perennial. Uh, playoff contender. And so Bill would sometimes have to go do some Linfield playoffs. And sometimes that would conflict with some of the early preseason men's basketball for Pilots athletics. So always appreciated having me come in and do some of those games
1: yeah, that's fun. It's, you know, I've had the opportunity to work with, with you and a number of other local recognizable sports figures doing our basketball over the years It started with Daryl Ani back in the day, Oregon state legend. And those were always fun road trips with Daryl and Ron Callen. You working with Jason Swigard Now you mentioned Bill Johnson, who was a consummate pro, Mm. um, Tom Colker. There's just been so many people that I've had the pleasure of working with. And like you say, this market has just some great people in the media market that are great to work with. And, um, you know, fortunately for us, we've had great media partnerships with, with our basketball program being on the
0: radio and, and also television. Yeah, who's who are the broadcast partners now coming up for the season?
1: Yeah, so for for radio, we're extending our contract, multi-year contract with Odyssey, which is formerly Entercom, and the primary sports station 910 ESPN Portland, their sister station 1080 The Fan, so Jason swigard has been the voice of our program for five-plus years now, and he's coming back, so we're excited about that partnership, and then television-wise, you know, we've been one of the few schools, especially a school of our size, that has been able to produce our own television product. We built our own studio that connects with all of our home facilities here, so we, in internally produce a lot of television, and even when the OSA State Tournament comes for basketball, we produce those and distribute them. And, and, you know, a long time we were with NBC Sports Northwest and previously Comcast Sports, and, and now we've transitioned. We're starting our second year with a uh, partnership with COIN and KRCW, so Portland CW will have a number of our games, probably upwards of 25 over the course of the year that we'll produce and, and distribute through uh, COIN and KRCW.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great to hear all of the coverage for Pilot Athletic. It's funny, thinking about play-by-play, and I, gosh, I did play-by-play going way back to the day, starting out doing high school play-by-play down in the Salem area with the Valley League sports back, back then, and then fast-forward ahead and doing pilot athletics, filling in on the men's basketball, and you know what, Jason? Jason? Uh, the eyes tend to age over <laughs> over the years, and so uh, I found myself when I was doing the play-by-play for the University of Portland Men's—it's kind of funny, and I know a lot of folks out there can relate to this— I have the, well, they're trifocals now, for lack of a better term. And so, looking at scripts and looking at rosters and looking at the court, there's a lot of up and down going with the glasses.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, and then you got a lot of those, you know, those those sheets that, you know, your charts that you put together. And I don't know how some guys, those things are like four point font. And I'm like, how do you see
0: that? (laughs) I know. Yeah, it's crazy. So, it was kind of funny because I hadn't done play-by-play play in a while and coming back and doing doing it for you. And then it's like, oh, there's a little bit of a difference here with the <laughs> glasses and the eyes, but uh, you, you adjust, but that's just one of the things. Well, talking about broadcasting of, of pilot sports, and you mentioned this too, there has been such a change with athletics, I, I mean, really over the last couple of years now, because you're getting into all of these different aspects of athletics, and I'm thinking about one thing that jumps out at me is the name, image, and likeness. And people have heard about this so much now. And I, I mean, what do you think about that? How are you guys dealing with it?
1: It's interesting. I mean, the, the collegiate landscape has just been turned upside down. I mean, we we received an email from NCAA talking about. You know, just a couple days ago, all the proposed legislation changes, and, and the j- joke used to be the NCAA rulebook could start at the floor and go to the ceiling, and, and you know, and you couldn't do anything. Right. Everything you did was against the rules, and they're essentially just redlining and ripping all those rules out of the book and saying, hey, go for it. Yeah. You know, the regulations are being deregulated. You know, the big thing, the, the thing that really turned the industry on its head was, as you mentioned, name, image, and likeness, NIL, and, you know, the opportunity for student-athletes to earn money off of their name, image, and likeness, very much like the Olympic sports model, um, where you know they're not going to lose eligibility. Whereas before, there was, you know, we used to joke. And Coach Reveno, our former basketball coach, used to joke like you can't even give them bagels without it being a violation right. or spread on the bagels. And, and now it's, hey, go make a million dollars if you can off your name, image, and likeness, and, and there's no no regulations that prevent that. So mm. it's it's interesting and in how it impacts us. You know, I, I think like everything. There's probably an overreaction to the actual impact on it when it it first comes out. You know, cost of attendance was a big talking point, you know, seven, eight years ago, and how, you know, just giving a couple thousand dollars to the kids was going to revolutionize everything for the haves and the have-nots. And then, you know, now with, you know, the Alston Supreme Court case kind of allowing more money to go to student-athletes on an academic basis, and then now name, image, and likeness. I mean, the way I look at it where we fit is we're pretty much in the same spot we were before. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that wasn't why we were getting or not getting student-athletes to come to Portland. It was more based on our culture and fit. And, and I don't think it's going to make a huge difference going forward. I'm not naive enough to say it's going to make no difference. Right. Obviously, if a kid has a chance to choose between Portland and Oregon and there's $20,000 in one spot and none at the other, that might make a difference. But the reality is, in every sport kids want to play, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, Kentucky basketball could offer, even if they lift scholarship restrictions, only five guys can get on the court at one time, right? You know, women's soccer, Stanford, only 11 kids can play at right. one time. So, you know, you can make all these offers and, and whatnot, but kids want to play and they want to go to a place where they, they fit and and, you know, it's a good experience. And I think the other part of it is just market dynamics. It, it will even itself out. You're seeing these million-dollar contracts with kids who aren't playing. <laughs> yeah. Like, market dynamics will eventually even itself out. And so it, it's very interesting. You know, right now you're seeing a lot of these NIL collectives, and we're working on one externally that can help, you know, facilitate some of these deals. So, so we're in that sector. You know, it, it's not that we're not paying attention and, and reacting to it, but, you know, are, are we all of a sudden going to be facilitating million-dollar deals? No. No. <laughs> right. um, but is that going to hurt our overall product? I, I don't think it's going to hurt as much as people think it might.
0: Yeah, and, and I think there's always been this fear of and uh, reality and the rich get richer, you know. And that's always kind of been the case anyway with some of the major programs, and maybe this will buy into that even more. But really kind of what what worries me, if that's the right word, about the whole NIL deal is, is not so much – The pain and all of that. I I just kind of wonder, like, what is the mentality of a college athlete going to be like now? And does it change to where it's not as much team oriented as it is I oriented? You see what I'm saying there?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know the other part of this that goes in is kind of transfer, which is transfers, which has yeah. gotten a lot of attention, with especially with basketball and football, and you know this mass exodus and, and transfers opportunities, and you know again it's you know it's the the, fi- the sky is falling situation where everyone thinks about that, but the reality is every other sport has pretty much had transfer availability and you know they've lifted the have to sit out a year which which i honestly don't think and maybe i'm in the minority here i don't think that's a bad thing you know a coach can up and leave and he doesn't have to sit out a year true yeah you know what i mean like it's and again i truly believe if you build a good program with a good culture, you'll retain the, those players. They'll want to stay and be a part of it. And, you know, our men's and women's basketball programs are great examples of that. You know, our top seven men's basketball players, they had opportunities to go elsewhere. There was reports that they could have got paid a little bit of money. Some of those guys who had great years to go play somewhere else, they all chose to stay. And, sure. You know, women's basketball, we have some, some great players. We had the probably the best player in the conference is a true freshman in Alex Fowler three years ago, and she stuck it out and, and stayed here and helped build the program. So, you know, Yes, it's definitely changing. I think where it's really going to impact is kind of the for lack of a better term, low major schools that mm-hmm. have budget issues, the, you know, the ones that are having to go and play football at Ohio State and lose by a hundred to get a $1 million payday yeah. to pay the rest of their, their schools, you know, the, the bottom, you know, hundred schools at division one, they're going to have to make a decision. Like, you know, especially if, you know, resource restrictions are lifted and scholarship restrictions are lifted and, you know, the NCAA puts in minimum standards on scholarships and support staff, like that's going to be difficult for for probably a third of the, the Division 1 membership and, you know, is doesn't make more sense for them to go to a D2 or D3 situation. I think the West Coast Conference, the conference we're in with Gonzaga, Portland, Santa Clara, and, and all those schools, we've had stability and, and we are resourced at a level where the Power 5 schools want us in Division 1, specifically right. for basketball. So I, I don't think it's going to impact us with all these schools changing and transfer portal and NIL. We're still going to be a player and we're mm-hmm. still going to you know, be, be very relevant at the division one level, but I do worry about the low majors.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think the West coast conference, you're, you're in a better position because you've always been able to work and play within your means anyway. And like you said, you don't see that changing that much. And then you look at some of the major conferences. I mean, look what's happened to the PAC 12, all of a sudden UCLA and USC bolt. And now the PAC 12, which you would think is a solid conference. Now all of a sudden their future's up in the air.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, that that took everybody by surprise. You yeah. know, my boss, you know well, Scott Lacombe yeah. is very tied in with a lot of, you know, what's going on in the Pac-12. He was a longtime Stanford administrator, and and me and him kind of when that news hit we went down to his office and we were both wide-eyed like did not see that coming yeah. <laughs> that was that was pretty shocking
0: for and that sure. and that may be just the first of things that are going to be yeah. happening here so i i think over the next year or two yeah it's going to be very interesting in college sports but with that said the good news is there's still a season to play and university of portland athletics again doing very well always exciting and soccer uh, that's you know, that gets started right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we did our photo media days yesterday with men's and women's soccer, um, you know, f- Friday, doubleheader exhibition games, and the regular season starting here at the end of August, so it's it's going, you know, and we're excited, you know, Michelle French on the women's side has, has done a nice job of building that program back up, they were just picked middle of the pack, and I think they have higher ambitions than that, and on the men's side, Nick Carlin-Voit has been almost a perennial NCAA tournament participant, made the second round last year, returned a lot of key players, so we're excited for the soccer season.
0: Yeah. It's going to be wonderful. And again, if people have not been up to the University of Portland, the Bluff Soccer stadium's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. It's literally one of the best soccer facilities for sure in America. But we even host international teams: Bayern Munich, Manchester yeah. City, Lyon. Um, you know, a lot of you know La Liga teams when they come to do some of their international tours. They train at Merlot Field because it is one of the finest natural gas pitches in, in, in the country. And so, you know, and it's also it's great from a spectator perspective. As you mentioned, you're right on top of the action. You get to see and hear everything that's going on. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal facility to catch a soccer game if you haven't been.
0: That was funny talking about the international teams coming up. I can't remember which team it was, but it was when our studios were up on the University of Portland, and I was out for a walk and doing my normal hike around the campus, and I always end up going by the soccer stadium, and I saw him practicing, and so I stopped at the wall there at the one end and was watching, and a guy comes up to me and goes, you can't be here. <laughs> It's like what, what, what? do you mean? I can't yeah, they, be here. They get pretty
1: uh, tight on in terms yeah. of uh, it, external folks watching. Yeah, them, that's for
0: sure. It's like, do I look like a soccer? You know, but anyway, <laughs> it, it was fine. I understood, so I I moved along, and 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 he and he was happy. But also wanted to, to talk about the fan experience because, of course, with COVID over the last couple of years, it's just you know made it difficult to bring fans in. What do you do? Masking, vaccinations, and so. Are your plans set for this season?
1: Yeah, you know, we're following local health authority directions and CDC and everything. And, and like you say, the last couple of years have been tough. That, you know, two years ago or three years ago when COVID hit, our women's basketball team qualified for the NCAA tournament. They won the WCC tournament. They were getting excited to go to the NCAA playoffs. Oh. And then everything shut down. It would have been the first time since 1997 our women's team played in the NCAA tournament. And it was the first year of our new coach, Michael Meek, and it was just so went from such a high-level of excitement to completely deflating. And then you fast-forward nine months, and we start back up sports with no fans. And that was the most awkward and uncomfortable and weird, you know, sporting situation I've ever been involved with. There was all kinds of testing. You know, everyone's six feet apart. There's nobody in the stands. It, It felt very awkward and in that transition to last year when we slowly brought people back but not everybody was ready to come back and you know the the attendance wasn't as great as it normally would be just with the pandemic still lingering sure. so i think going into this year we, we really are getting the feeling in terms of like our calls with our season ticket holders and the fan base and everyone i think everyone's ready to get back on the horse and be at live sporting events and so we're really excited about that there won't be any masking rec- and i'll say this i'll qualify this yeah with, if if local health authorities change decisions, we we will change with them. But right. right now, there won't be mask mandates. There won't be checking vaccination cards. Our campus, you know, does you know require vaccinations, but but we won't be doing uh, daily checks or anything like that. It's just expected people will be vaccinated if they come. So yeah, it, it'll be like a typical <laughs> typical event pre pandemic. We hope and, and we yeah. hope that lasts through the entire year.
0: Well, yeah, and I think people now because we've been doing this for two and a half three years with the pandemic, I think people kind of know what their own comfort level is now. So if you have folks who want to wear masks in the games, fine, you know, wear, yeah. wear a mask. If you don't, don't. And so I think if everybody kind of gives everybody their own uh, space, so to speak, as far as what their comfort level is, I think things are going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, and, and we're just looking forward to having, you know, getting back to some sense of normalcy and, you know, hopefully filling our stadiums up, because like we've talked about, we have a lot of exciting programs right now, you know, in both fall, winter, and spring that we really want to showcase, and, and we think uh, people and families and fans will really enjoy uh, coming out to the University of Portland campus and catching some athletics.
0: You know, uh, I, it was probably about a month ago we spoke with Scott Lakeham, the Athletics Director, President of Athletics, Vice President of Athletics at the University of Portland, Portland, Portland he was on on the morning blend and he touched a little bit on it but I wanted to touch base with you on it too and that's facility upgrades because there's been some some nice things happening on the bluff at the University of Portland again speaking with Jason Brough he's the senior associate athletic director at the University of Portland so talk about some of the upgrades because again the campus is awesome and it's such a doable event if you want to go up to see sports at the University of Portland athletic or any of the facilities up there there's parking it's easy to get to and then you got great facilities so yeah absolutely and
1: free parking, we we say as well. So we don't charge for parking. And and like you say, as long as you can find a spot in the lot or in the neighborhood, you know, come on in. And, you know, from a facilities perspective, we're really excited. Scott, you mentioned Scott Lakeham. He's done an unbelievable job just in terms of, you know, modernizing and building up, uh, you know, our facilities. We're we're really excited. The latest one is our France campus down on the river. A number of years ago, the university purchased riverfront property with not really a whole lot of plans in place. And then over the last five years, we've really jumped on it, built Two full-size soccer practice fields, one natural grass, and one, uh, artificial turf. Mm-hmm. Which, that was the first project down there. Um, and then now the latest project is uh, just finishing up this fall, a, a new boathouse and dock for our women's rowing program. One of the few in the country that will wow. have an on-campus boathouse and dock. They're putting the finishing touches on that. The next project down there will be a track and field stadium. So we've got the uh, layout for that. That's next summer that will will come. And as you know, we have such a great distance running program. Uh. and And to be able to do what our Programs have done without an on campus track is remarkable. Well, now they'll have that, and we'll be able to host meets and whatnot, so we're excited about that. And then just upgrades. We talk, You mentioned our beautiful baseball facility, Joe Etzel Field, was completely renovated two years ago. Um, it's just an unbelievable place to watch a game if you haven't been out, come out next spring. And then just some updates in the Child Center. You know, the Child Center was built in 84, and there wasn't a lot of updates done to it. Well, we just finally put in new sideline bleachers this summer. We've got a brand new audio system going in prior to basketball season uh some cosmetic upgrades so again the fan experience is is going to be uh much greater than it has been in the past so we're really excited about those upgrades
0: baseball stadium is beautiful child center is just such a great place to watch basketball because it's a good sized crowd yet it's intimate and i mean yeah. there, there's not a bad seat in the house
1: no, absolutely, and it's fun. You know, we've hosted, we host the, and we just actually continued the partnership with OSAA 6A, hosting the men's, or boys and girls 6A championships, and you the energy in the building for that, and as you mentioned, you know, it holds just under 5,000, but you get a couple thousand people in the building, and there's a great energy in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, you get 4,500, and it's almost too full. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I think the building has held up really well. You, you look at other facilities as I go around the country that were built around the same era, and they seem very dated. Child Center. It still seems very modern, and now with these upgrades, it just makes it that much better.
0: That's fantastic. I wanted to ask you too, because speaking of basketball, you talked about the success of both the men's and women's programs at the University of Portland. You're going to be hosting this, some of these games of this huge tournament that's going to be coming to the Portland area during the Thanksgiving week. I believe it's Thanksgiving week weekend. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's really exciting. So so diehard basketball fans will remember five years ago PK eighty, Phil Knight in Phil Knight's eightieth birthday. Um, ESPN and the Rose Quarter got together and put on a major event, 16 teams that we were part of, and basically all the best Nike-sponsored schools in America, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, UConn, Michigan State, Texas, everybody you could name, played in two 18 tournaments, and we were co-hosting that, but no, we just basically hosted practices at the Child Center and the Bochamp Recreation Center right. uh, five years ago, even though we participated in the event. Well, they've expanded it this year, and they've added um, eight women's teams in two other separate four-team tournaments, so we're going to host those on Thanksgiving Day and the Friday after Thanksgiving, and then the men's losers bracket from the other two tournaments will come in place, what, four games, four men's games on Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend here at the Child Center, Um, and it's just basically the biggest... College basketball event um, ever, oh. <laughs> which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, so we actually the schedules and brackets came out, and you know just an easy road for the Pilots. We open against North Carolina at 10 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day, so that'll be on ESPN. If you can't make it out to Moda Center, um, so that should be a lot of fun. But other teams in our specific bracket are, you know, Villanova, Iowa State, oh, <clears throat> Oregon. So we could potentially play Oregon um, in that tournament, either um, at Moda Center or. At the Child Center, which will be really exciting. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's a who's who of you know who do you who do you want to watch uh, men's basketball over Thanksgiving? They're going to be at the Moda Center Rose Quarter or the Child
0: Center. Yeah, I mean, think about that. You could be having some huge national brand teams coming into the Child Center to play a game, and again. What an experience, given the— Yeah,
1: UConn women's basketball, Oregon yeah. women's basketball, Oregon State women's basketball. I mean, North Carolina women's basketball. I mean, those are those are the elite of the elite, and it's just going to be a lot of fun.
0: You think about women's basketball and the job Mike Meek has done with University of Portland women's team. The state of Oregon, my goodness, U a P, Oregon, Oregon State, you're talking about— Uh, I don't know. How did that happen? Where all of a sudden the state of Oregon is this hotbed of women's college basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean it's fun. It, you know, I love women's basketball and it's just it's a product that continues to grow and nationally getting more attention and you know the the tournament is getting more attention and just locally as you mentioned, you know, Oregon State with Scott Ruick and Kelly Graves at Oregon have done a phenomenal job just at that level. And and then Michael Meek, he, you know, his background, he's local local born and raised in the state of Oregon. Took Southridge High School, and became a power at the high school level. Went to George Fox, took them to two national championships in eight years. We brought him in, and all he does in his first year is lead us to an NCAA tournament berth. And now, yeah. in three years, he's led us to the postseason every year and returns just about everybody when they're eyeing an NCAA tournament berth this year. And again, what's crazy is we're hosting Stanford yeah. and Washington State playing at Oregon. So just an unbelievable opportunity for our women's basketball team and local women's basketball fans to see some. Really high-level basketball. Uh,
0: that's great. You mentioned that. Uh, it's like, w- what is it about George Fox? I think about that. <laughs> S- Scott Rourke, Michael Meek, uh, UAP alum Pat Casey, who, yep. who coached yep. at George Fox. That's like the. Uh, if you're going to start your coaching career out, you might you might want to go to George Fox to do it. I mean, it's... yeah, they've
1: done they've done a great job at that level and set their coaches up for success, and it has translated. You know, a lot of times you know that's what's funny you know Scott and I talk about this a lot when you go into coaching searches and everyone's like oh, you can't you know you got to win the press conference you got to right. hire someone with a name recognition well no you got to find somebody who's a good fit and George Fox is very similar to University of Portland yeah. in terms of you know the culture of the the university and small school and development and, and so that that model has worked out well for us and and again Scott Ruick preceded Mike Meek at George Fox and he went to Oregon State and made it work there and he that. took over a, a program that was in disarray and, and and made them a national title contender. So there's something to be said. When you're a good coach, you're a good coach, no matter whether it's high school, D3, NAIA, D2, and just putting those coaches in the right positions with the right resources. uh, You don't have to be the biggest name to be successful.
0: Yeah, sometimes the old saying, there's no place like home, is true.
1: Yeah, and Mike's just a great fit here, and we love having him, and he's done an unbelievable job. And you know, he he doesn't he he, our coaches that are most successful, and we have a lot of them. They don't look at what they don't have; they look at the opportunities of what they do have, and how do they build off of it? And he's a classic example of someone who gets that and has done well.
0: You know, it's interesting. The first play-by-play basketball game I ever did at the Child Center was. The women's high school 6A final, Oregon City against Southridge, and Southridge's coach was Michael Meek. <laughs> yeah.
1: How about that, and, uh, and he he had, I mean, at one time, I believe he had six Division One players on that high school team, yeah. including some that went. I mean, he did an unbelievable job there. That's amazing.
0: Well, what else? I mean, we're we're I know we're getting into it here, thirty plus minutes. So, anything else you want to you want to talk about? Add to the add to the podcast.
1: No, just something else to look forward to. We've talked about hosting events. Sport Oregon, Rose Quarter, and the University of Portland have put in bids to host the Women's Final Four. We've talked about that with yeah. Oregon, Oregon State. and So, you know, the the cycle, I believe, is 2026 to 2031. There'll be five different sites around the country, and Portland is one of eight finalists for those sites. So that could be a huge opportunity, and we're excited to be part of that. And, and as we mentioned, just, you know, we'd love to have fans come out to our events. We have unbelievable kids. We have unbelievable programs. Uh, the accessibility is great the fan experience is great and it's just an unbelievable family opportunity you're not going to spend a hundred bucks to come and feed your family and catch right. a good game so you know i just encourage everybody especially coming out of covid looking for things to do you know come catch a volleyball come catch a soccer or a basketball or a baseball game at, at at the university of portland as you mentioned it's easily accessible and it's a great product
0: you know there's so much more we could talk about so many more sports we could touch upon But if folks want to get tickets to, I know we've got volleyball coming up, obviously soccer, it won't be too long for basketball, cross country, I mean, some great sports. Remind folks how to get tickets for U of P athletics.
1: Yeah, easiest thing, go to portlandpilots.com backslash tickets, and there'll be information in, on each specific program. Or you can call our box office, 503 943 up. So again, portlandpilots.com backslash tickets or 503 943 up, and we'll get you squared away with, with whatever, whatever event you want to head to.
0: Fantastic. Jason Bro, Senior Associate Athletic Director at the University of Portland. Hey, thank you for being the very first guest on this podcast
1: well i appreciate it and and, uh, we will have your credential for you so let me know when you want to come (laughs) thank you
0: i didn't do anything bad so uh (laughs) we haven't (laughs) had to pull it yet (laughs) haven't had to pull it yet again thanks to jason bro senior associate athletic director at university of portland thanks for listening to on the go this podcast available on the hail mary media app brought to you by mater day radio i'm david Endress. we'll talk to you soon